Most people think that they are choosing between the good and the bad. In reality, they are choosing between being mediocre and becoming truly great. Welcome to the Next Action Podcast with your host, Brian Wallace. In 15 minutes, we'll help our guests catapult from their current situation to a path of greatness. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're here out in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest. And before you think this is yet another thing about South by Southwest, I'm purposely avoiding the downtown to see Brian Eisenberg, who I was happy to go the heck out of the middle of the South by craziness and interrupt that whole crazy series because Brian Eisenberg, if you have not heard of him, well, I guess you're living under marketing rock or something because Brian is a New York Times bestselling author six books, the latest one being Be Like Amazon, and Brian with his brother Jeffrey have helped hundreds of companies, including Google, increase sales by over a billion dollars by using their persuasion frameworks. They've coached and trained hundreds of companies in everything from SaaS software and to eyeglasses and even pig sperm, which I guess we can talk about and with <laughs> that kind of crazy part of an introduction. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing excellent. Staying away from that South by craziness, so yeah. things are good. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I'm happy to have a reprieve. Well, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing about Austin, and, and it's part of what's grown Austin. I don't know if you know, but it's been one of the fastest growing cities in the country. But For I'm, sure. But I think the number was 152 people per day coming here. That's it's basically insane. since about South by exploded. Um, but what happens is when I first moved here about seven years ago, it was about a million people in town. Now we're closing in on two million people. Wow. And when South By comes in, it's over 100,000 people mm -hmm. coming into town. So you're talking about you know, 10, five to 10% extra on top of it. And we have enough traffic to begin with and all of that. And then they're all crammed into just this little downtown area. Right. And yeah, it's growing up, but the streets are not growing bigger. So it's definitely a problem, so. Yeah, it scares me and they have to just expand the city or do something about it, but they never planned for it to be like that. But we could leave South By. We can leave and, South By, yeah. And all of that. I'm sure everybody would like to hear about Austin, but I think that if anybody's ever heard me or the podcast or comes into my sphere, they hear me talk about you directly or indirectly, probably at least one out of every three conversations. Well, I every other that. thing, for sure. And this isn't just like a sales pitch or whatever, but genuinely, right? I read plenty of books. I don't just stare at texts on the internet. I think books are very valuable. I like actually reading physical books. Maybe you could call me old fashioned, <laughs> but I think Be Like Amazon, it's such a short read and it's such a, a wonderful dialogue that you don't even, I'm not gonna ruin the book for mm -hmm. everybody, but you don't have to know the characters' names. You don't have to know the start and the end, but it's the journey of it and so conversational that you can just sit there and read it in one set and you learn so many practical lessons from it. So I'd love for us to discuss a little bit more about why you wrote the book to begin with and how everybody could be like Amazon. Absolutely. So one, one of my favorite things, you mentioned about the character names and if you yeah. go through the comments, you get a lot of people talking about how the character names are annoying. Right. However, however, I'll challenge anybody to go back and say, okay, what characters' names do you remember from most books? Right. But the characters from our book, you never forget because the names were so different than what you expected. Exactly. Not and everybody's Shakespeare and coming up with Romeo and Juliet. Right. And exactly. But this is, this is, this is part of uh, the, the gift we were given of, of writing the book with Roy Williams, and it was, it was his choice to name those characters. And they were named after very specific people. So, but you, you have to check out the characters to I get kind it. of know what it is. So why did we write the book? So um, as you know, I've been in online marketing um, since the very early days, you know, early to mid-90s. We started our first conversion rate optimization agency in 1998. We've Did people been, even call it that back then? No, we were the first people to call it conversion right on, rate man. optimization. Yep. Um, you, you, know, can't, the, you can't see it, guys, but there was a fist bump <laughs> that just happened. Yeah, I mean, yep. there was no such thing as bounce rate before we invented it with, with Jim Novo in the eMarketers ComSense uh, guide in 2001. So, yeah, a lot of these things didn't even exist. But in, in those early days, 
you know, we were looking at Amazon, and of course, you know, Jeff Bezos, there's a story he went around and, and had to take 60 meetings in order to raise a million dollars, right? Um, and think about it, only 22 people said yes, gave him $50,000, he raised a million dollars, 20% of his company, mm. and 38 people didn't get a piece. Like, and, and so it's mind boggling to, like, to think about that today. It's like, yeah. could you imagine being one of those 38 and saying, I could have invested, but they didn't get it. And we think about it, and so when, and we were those people, right? We didn't get Amazon in those early days. We didn't see how big they were gonna become. We didn't understand the systems that he was developing. And I think that was the key thing that one, we kind of figured out, A, Amazon out executes everybody. So when we were only involved in conversion optimization in the early days, you know, average companies were testing maybe three to five things a month. Hmm. Amazon was testing over 200 a month, right? Right. Jeff Bezos in his shareholder talks about how they did over 1,900 plus experiments. So you think about it, it's like, okay, there's a huge scale difference and it's not just the traffic because even when we've worked with super big companies, it's hard to pull that together and it's mostly because operations don't function mm -hmm. that well. So there's something different about what they were doing and we went to try to figure that out and you know, as much as we were passionate about obviously customer experience and optimization, we, we knew there were pieces missing. And through a lot of investigation, we identified these four pillars. And um, I, I wrote about them and, uh, in an article um, several years ago. And the next thing I know, one of my friends who's getting recruited by Amazon gets an email from a recruiter with a link to that article. I said, okay, I'm onto something. So we keep digging, keep digging, keep digging further and further. And we're like, okay, this is great. And it works for Amazon, but will it work for everybody else? And so we wanted to go ahead and find companies that obviously, you know, besides ones that we've worked with, that exhibited and used these four pillars of today's business. Because if you're going to build a great brand today, right, it's not what you say your brand is, it's what other people say you do and, and what you believe and how you behave and, 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 and more than anything, how you act. And it's funny because what Jeff Bezos has done that's so significant that most people don't get, and when I'm talking about this operating system, is yes, he's got these four pillars and we can dive into those, but he did two things that are completely unique because he understood digital before everyone else did. And this is the part that every business has to deal with, with the, you know, with the digital disruption that we have today, because every customer is a digital customer because they've got cell phones in their pockets. Everyone's Absolutely. got a supercomputer right in their pocket. One, he understood metrics and how to use data better than anyone else. Because you think about it, he had the audacity from day one, from 1994, to saying he wanted to be Earth's most customer-centric company. Now think about that, Earth's most customer-centric company. And he had thinking that he can compete with like a Walmart who has all the resources in the world. And, and all he's doing is books back then. And all know. he was doing books back right. then. So obviously he had some vision. What he realized is that when you walk into a Walmart, I walk into a Walmart, they don't know who the most valuable customer is. They know the products. They know how to move them from location to location. They didn't know people. Right. They just and know how to put bananas in the front and sell them. Correct. Right. But, and they, well, they even knew like, okay, if I shave a quarter of an inch off the box of Colgate toothpaste, I can make exponentially more money. So, and, and they would go back to Colgate and work with them on those things. So sure. that they were amazing at. But they didn't know the individual. And so when you look at the growth of Amazon, this is one of the critical things that a lot of people don't get, is it spiraled like out of control the second the iPhone got released. Why? From day one, they were the only ones who were completely omni-channel, mm -hmm. right? The cell phone tied into your web experience, everything was seamless, now they're doing it in their stores. Right. All of it is one continuous experience. And I think that's a critical thing. Mm -hmm. But having data is not alone the key part. Right. If you've heard him speak, he talks about managing his business through inputs because you can't control outputs. 
just doesn't work. It's just too hard. You know, you can't you can't manage those. And so every category manager at Google is focused in on the things that matter to Google the most, and Google and it's, sorry to Amazon's customers the most. Right. So when you think about brand Amazon, what are the attributes you think of the brand? When I think of Amazon, yeah. I think that it's something that's super easy and convenient, and it. Whatever my taste, style, preferences, the weirdest thing in the world that I could be looking for, products that don't even exist yet, I know that I can find the most obscure thing, I can find it easily, quickly, and I'm a prime customer, and, and it's going to come right to my door and be super convenient. Much more than me going to a store, thinking I'm going to find something striking out, they're going to tell me I'm going to order it, and then I'm going to be frustrated. So I really feel like the consumer experience, regardless of whatever product or service, even if it's like cleaning my house, it's crazy. Like I feel like they're owning my life. <laughs> so it's interesting yeah. because what, when I used to ask this question several years ago, there, you, you basically mentioned three of their of their core metrics, their inputs that they mattered, and right. you didn't mention the fourth. Mm. And, it, and it's interesting how the market has shifted because the fourth is where they started, which was price. You knew you were going to get a good price. Right. And They're I always competitive today. I don't care about that. I, I would rather go to a site rather than deal with 20 sites. And try to figure it all out. Same as like driving to everywhere. Totally. Mm -hmm. So, but price is, they know price, they have to be conscious. So it they're, matters. They're, they're within, they're competitive in the price range and the t within their top five competitors. And they use technology today to manage that over 6 million times a day, they're changing the price. Right. Selection. Their job is to have five to seven times the selection in any category compared to their competitors. Mm -hmm. um, convenience, uh, how fast they can get products to you, right? I mean, you know, where we're sitting right now, uh, the Amazon warehouse is about four miles up that way. I can get anything delivered to where we are right now in like 30 minutes Crazy. for the most part, okay? Um, and then customer experience. If there's a problem, they're going to take care of it. And so they know that if you focus in on those four things over the long term, Mm -hmm. The sales and conversion will happen anyway because the typical website, and you know, is, is average is about 3%, 3 point something percent now. It used to be 2% for ages. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the top retailers do 10%. Mm -hmm. Amazon Prime members convert 74%. Right. Okay. Well, that's one genius. The second genius, mm -hmm. and this is the one that, that we spend a lot of time working on with companies. Mm -hmm. You've probably heard about their famous six-page memos. Mm -hmm. And why that's so genius is because that has become the lowest fidelity, minimum viable product they create. Write it out with great research from the customer's point of view to begin with. Share that with your teammates. Everyone can get along on the same vision. Mm -hmm. Everyone's communicating the same vision and so execution becomes much easier to do. Right. And it's by learning how to do uh, those working backwards memos or what we call buyer legends, um, people get much better at execution. Right. They get much better at developing extra creative, at testing, and most importantly, making more sales. Yeah, no kidding. As opposed to being a cog in the wheel, you ever see an organization, the people who cross it, they don't even know what the company does. They don't know how to make money. Everybody's on the same page. Well, here. so there, there, was a, there was a great study in Inc. Magazine a few years ago that um, actually interviewed executives and asked them, okay, how many of the people on your team you believe know your top three priorities? Right. Six, they, they guessed 64%. What do you think the actual number was? Maybe 20 at most. Two. <laughs> now, it's interesting because we've seen this as well. Usually, in, in, especially in startups and as they, as you get growing and as they're, because we've worked with a lot of SaaS companies over the years, right? Oh, sure. Um, what you start seeing is that probably the top five people know the vision and those top early top priorities, but it kind of fades because what, the way most companies grow is you have to keep adding big management layers, right? People to manage information and data. But today it flows so fast you don't need that same kind of structure anymore. Right. You need better ways to communicate and execute. 
And it's th through these narratives, this storytelling technique that allows you to, to align the internal narrative with the external narrative that customers expect mm -hmm. so you don't create friction and you keep everyone motivated and you grow your business. Mm. So here's a question. So a lot of people almost think Amazon's on such a tear. Can anybody even compete with them? And I guess the other side of it is, just like the book says, can, how can everybody be like Amazon? Because not everybody's built to be like the super unicorn kind of place. So I guess that's a two-part question. Yeah, no, how would you I, address that? So look, you know what? Jeff Bezos said there's, there, there can only be one low-cost provider. It's really hard to uh, erase to the bottom. And I think mm -hmm. that's what they're becoming. You know, they're, be they're becoming the Walmart of the last century. Uh, you know, Walmart stopped with as much innovation as they were doing. They got caught as asleep. They became followers instead of leaders. Right. Um, you know, they stopped caring as much about their associates and all of that. There are all kinds of businesses that Best Buy, mm. who's staying alive today, doing wonderful, who, who has changed a lot of their business model. Wayfair is doing great. And we see all these direct consumer brands. And, and of course, there's business to business. Sure. It's a model for how to operate today that you can flavor to yourself to create a very sustainable business. But if you don't, if you run your business like you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, it's not the same as now we're understanding Jeff Bezos has basically rewritten yeah. how, how to run a business Big today. time. Absolutely. Very cool. So is there any company out there, um, do you think anyone's on par with keeping up with them? I know we talked about Microsoft a little bit earlier. Well, I, I, I mean, yeah, Microsoft's doing amazing things, especially if we talk in the B2B space. Yeah. Um, Again, they came back to their values. They came back to what's important to them. Uh, they've opened up to understanding what the community wants. Uh, they work very closely with influencers. Mm. Um, it, they've changed, and, they're, and we see it. They're they're growing incredibly fast compared to to Amazon, uh, you know, cloud and stuff like that, and right. some of their other products. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's a shortage of companies that are, that are playing with this. And in the book, we you know we we show everything from examples from you know small jewelers to um, people who run HVAC companies, sure. to if you hear me speak, you know, I, I talk about uh, people who sell mini donuts, who, who run with I the same four pillars. Mm -hmm. So any business can be like Amazon. Like I said, even a lemonade stand could do it. That's right. And you've been such a wonderful and gracious guest. Where can everybody find you out there online? Sure, um, they can find me pretty much on uh, all, all the social medias, right? So I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on uh, Instagram, I'm on Twitter. Um, and of course you can find me at um, uh, buyerlegends.com as well. Outstanding, thank you so much. You're welcome.